Have you ever noticed how we all chase after things? We all do it. I mean, guys chase girls, and yet girls still chase guys, especially in the 21st century. And a lot of people chase careers and advancement, and all of us chase after our dreams. In one way or another, all of us are always chasing something. I mean, even the American Declaration of Independence, a very famous document, declares that all humans have the right, it says, of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so the, the authors of that document understood that to be human is to be in pursuit. And this is true. We're all pursuing. We all chase. God has wired it into our DNA, deep into our soul. God has wired us to chase. We all are in pursuit, and God is calling you today to chase after him, to run hard after him. As we've been considering in this series of Pressing forward, to press into him, to lean into him, to draw near to him. We are not called to shrink back and, and stop the chase because of fear or uncertainty or doubt that God is good or that he is with us. No, no brothers and sisters. No, God has called us to move forward, to press forward with confidence, full of faith in our God who is bigger than us, but who has called us to know him and to make him known. So let's continue in our series in Philippians 3, verses 12 and 14, as we consider pressing forward in this glorious calling to chase Philippians 3, verses 12 and 14. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. He says, one thing I do, I press on, forgetting what lies behind and strain forward. This is what God is calling us to do. What you see here in this text is remarkable. It says in verse 14, the apostle Paul, as gospel inspired him, it says that we have an upward call. That's the language he uses. This upward refers to a heaven word, a, a upward focus, and literally it's the call to come up. So a up, high, heavenward calling. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, you are one only because you responded to his call. 
He saw you in your sin and he loved you. Jesus died for you. His spirit opened your eyes. He called you by name and you heard his voice and you responded to his call. And that's what it means to know Jesus. It responds to his call. But it says that this call is to come up. It's an upward, heavenward calling. So this is the primary truth. This is the main idea for this morning. This is the topic. That God's call on your life is a high calling. Yes, you, who doubts that you have this, yes, it's true of you. God's call on your life is a high calling. It's a heavenward, upward, high calling. So this morning, as we look at this text, we'll begin with verse 14, and then we're going to work backwards so that we can better understand what this means to have this high calling from God. And we're going to have just two points, simple but life-changing. We're going to see how you can know your calling. And so one is knowing your calling and two, fulfilling your calling. So knowing and fulfilling your high calling. Let's think with number one on know your high calling. Verse 14, we just read it. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we're called here, he uses the word calling, we are called to press on. He says press on forward going towards, he says, the prize and the goal. Now he doesn't define them just yet, but we need to look at all of these key words. There's some key words in this text, like the word calling, goal, prize, called, press toward. There's, there's so many important words in this one verse. So what exactly is your high calling? And what exactly is the goal? And what exactly is the prize? And what are you pressing forward to? These questions have to be answered from this text. I could, I could rephrase the question this way. What has God designed you to chase? Because we're all chasing. We're all pursuing. God's call on your life is fixed on a central figure, on one person. God's call on your life is, is fixed on he who is infinitely glorious. He who shines more brilliantly than the sun. He who alone is worthy of your adoration and of your loyalty and your obedience. Your calling is centered upon he who created you. He who sacrificed himself to save you. He who deeply loves you and accepts you and knows you. He who will never abandon you. Our King, the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus himself, Jesus is the focal point of your calling. The Bible here says that you have the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So God designed you to chase after him. God designed you. He built you, he made you so that you have this deep yearning for him, this 
longing for him, this desire to be intimate with him, to know him. And so God designed us to desire his presence. So God designed us to desire his presence. Remember the context. We looked at this last week, verses 7 and 8 of this same conversation. Verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. The surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. Nothing is greater. Nothing is more satisfying. Nothing is more glorious. Nothing is worth pursuing other than Christ Jesus, our Lord. The surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. You and I were made to know Jesus. This is our purpose. It's why there's breath in your lungs right now. And so Paul here says, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the prize. Jesus is the goal. Jesus himself, he is who you press on towards. Jesus is why you press on towards him. Jesus is how you press on towards him because through his spirit, he empowers you to do it. Jesus is the everything. He's the focal point of everything under the sun and even beyond it. It's all for him, by him, through him, for his glory. And this is why you exist. This is all of those yearnings and desires and longings that you have that we can pursue other things they're misplaced because those longing desires were put there so you can chase and pursue Jesus. Your high calling is to know Jesus. This is your calling. So your high calling is to know Jesus, to experience his presence more fully. See, God made you to glorify him. He made you so that you could enjoy him and glorify him forever. Talk about this last week. The enjoyment of God is what glorifies him. The very enjoyment of him is glorifying to him. So which is the reason why when we enjoy other things more than Jesus, there's a word for that. It's called idolatry. And so the very enjoyment of God is Worship, it's the essence of worship, and it is glorifying to him. So joy in God is the essence of our worship. So he made us to experience and to enjoy his presence forever. Which is why, if you think back to Genesis and, the, and creation, why every evening God would go into the garden and he would just walk in the cool of the evening with Adam and Eve, just a stroll, 
just enjoying their presence and them enjoying his, just enjoying each other. And that's heaven. That's literally what heaven's going to be, is being in his presence with no more brokenness, no more sin, just seeing him, knowing him, enjoying him. And God did that in the Garden of Eden because it was pre-fall, pre-sin. And so he was there with them, walking with them, enjoying his presence. But what happened after Adam sinned and he brought corruption into the world? Well, what did he do when he says he was afraid? It says that he heard the, the sound of God in the garden, and so he was afraid, and he ran, and he hid from the presence of the Lord. So he had fear. But then he says that he saw that he was naked. In, in the Hebrew, the word naked and shame is the same word. And so he saw his shame, his nakedness. He's, he was ashamed. And so what did he do? He sowed fig leaves to cover his shame. So he had fear and shame, and then God pronounced him guilty to experience guilt. All of these realities did not exist, but fear and shame and guilt separate us from God. It breaks that intimacy. It breaks it, and we can no longer be in the presence of God because we have sinned. And we're no different. Our guilt and our shame and our fears keep us from God. But remember, God designed us to yearn for his presence. He made us for him. He designed us to enjoy him and glorify him forever, which is why Jesus came. He took our guilt, he took our shame and our fears, and he conquered it on the cross. And he rose victoriously. And so now if we trust in Christ's finished work on the cross that we'll consider more next week on Easter weekend, when we trust in Jesus alone, you don't have to fear him anymore. We're not a slave of fear. You're not. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to have any more shame. And you don't have any more guilt before God. It's been removed Jesus paid it all. And so now you can fulfill your calling, which is to know Jesus. We're free to know him. There's no more hindrance. So you can press forward. So you can know him more. You can go deeper, hear his voice, experience his presence. And when you're walking with God, when you know that you're saved, then you have his approval and you have his joy and you're experiencing his presence and you're living a life of prayer and, and the word. You know what happens to you inside? He gives you new desires. He gives you what's been called holy ambitions. He gives you, you become ambitious to do things for his glory. These are good and holy things, holy ambitions. And so knowing Jesus, then, then what it does, it leads you to have the desire to make him known. So it's knowing him, but also making him known to those that are far from him. And so you have this, this calling, this high calling to know Jesus. But then within that, what he does is he gives you a unique calling, a particular calling on your life. 
a unique way that you live out knowing him, making him known. Based upon who you are, your past, your experiences, your personality, who you are, God is calling you. The Spirit of God is at work. Do you hear his voice? Do you hear him calling you in a specific way? Because he is. He wants you to make him known to those that don't know him. But have you sat quietly, long enough, without the noise and the distractions, with the word and just in prayer, maybe with just a notepad, to write down your prayers or fears or thoughts before God? Have you sat quietly enough and pushed aside the distractions to hear his voice and have a clear sense of, of his leading and what he is calling you to in a very specific way? God's call on your life is a high calling. You must know your calling. But second, you must fulfill your calling. And so this high calling is to know Jesus, treasuring him above all else, experiencing the fullness of his presence. And then what God does is he, he gives us desires to make him known, and he calls us in unique ways to fulfill this calling. And so what must you do to fulfill this calling? So we know our calling is to know Jesus and to make him known. But how do you fulfill that? Let's move backwards to verses 12 and 13 that we just read a little while ago. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So here what you see is he's describing how we fulfill our calling. It's very important. And quite simply, it's you press forward. This is, this is how you fulfill your calling. You press forward. He was pressing on. And just like Paul, we don't coast. We don't drift. We press forward. We long for Jesus. We, we even ache for him. We reach for him. We don't give up. We keep on trusting him. We talked about last week a tenacious trust, a persistent, unrelenting, not giving up trust in him. This is how you fulfill your calling. You keep on Trusting him and pressing forward in faith. But let's get practical as look at this text. Let me give you three steps. So the answer is you press forward. But let's look at this more specifically, more practically, so you can get your mind around this. How do you fulfill your calling? From this text, I'm going to give you three steps. Step one is you commit to the process. If you want to fulfill your high calling, you must, number one, commit to the process. Now, Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Paul admits that he's not perfect. He says, I'm not there yet. I'm a fellow pilgrim on the journey heading to the city of God, the better city. I'm going there. Are you coming with me? Because I'm not there yet. He's committing to the process, though. He has not yet fulfilled God's calling in his life completely. 
but he is committed to doing it. Just like the author of Hebrews, we read earlier in worship gathering, Hebrews 12, just push aside sin that would weigh us down. Push aside those sinful patterns that draw us far from the presence of God. And he says, run the race that is set before you. Same concept here. I press on. I'm not there yet, but I'm pressing forward. Are you? Are you pressing forward? Have you committed to the process? Thinking, well, what process, Pastor? What, what exactly is this process? It's the process of becoming who God has called you to be. The process of sanctification is what we're talking about here. This is a process of being transformed and your mind being renewed. This is a process of growth. God's designed this to be a slow process, at times painful, and at times very messy. But we do this together. We read the word. We read it in community. We're held accountable. We have things like home groups and discipleship groups, and we serve together. It's a life of faith, the fight for faith, of pressing on, of committing to the process of healing, of being transformed, of being delivered. So he describes this fight for faith, this process of, he says, straining forward to what lies ahead. He's saying this is hard work. He's straining. He's, he's committed to this. And so he's called us to fight the good fight, to run the race. So this, by its very definition, sanctification is an ongoing process. It's not instantaneous. It's not. I was talking to a good brother this week, and he was just sharing how he was like, Pastor, I've had so many victories over this and this and this, and now there's this new one that is like, where is this coming from? And I said, are you surprised? There's always going to be more enemies. There's always going to be more ground to gain from the enemy. He's never going to stop attacking us. And so it's a process. It's an ongoing reality that we don't give and so some of you in this room, you have been straining forward to a lies ahead. And you know that it's hard work. And God has called you, and you've been battling the giants. You've been taking back ground from the enemy. You've been seeing the walls of, of the enemy crumbling. You really have been waging the battle, and you are pressing forward. And you have committed to this. But some of you have been wounded in the fight. You've been hurt. You've been disappointed. And sometimes when you're in battle, you, you do get injured. This is, it's, it is a war. It's real. And so you've been trying to fight this fight. You've been trying to commit to this process, but you're filled with fear and doubt and pain. And you wonder, is God really there? Is God really for me? I've been, I've, been, I've been doing this. I've been pressing forward. I've been honestly trying in the name of Christ. And, man, I'm just really hurting. You're thinking, I'm just not seeing any victory. This morning, my heart just goes out to those who are wounded and that are exhausted. 
But God is close to the brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. For those of you that have been wounded in the battle, you need to know that God is not calling you to stop pressing forward. He's not. He's not saying, oh, you were injured, so now come take a time out and just shrink back and stop pressing forward. He is not telling you to stop pressing forward. But God is also not calling you to continue in the way that you've been going. He is not calling you to press forward in your own strength. He says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So here he's defining the process for us a little bit more. This pressing forward in faith and this experiencing victory over your fears and over your pain and possibly your trauma. The key to that is when you know that you belong to Jesus. He has made me his when you know and you believe that and you spend time in prayer and you spend time in the word and in his presence, and the key here is resting. Rest in his presence. Then you will have victory. Bonnie and I just this week were, were talking about this very same topic a few days ago. We're talking about how intimacy with Jesus is our greatest weapon against the enemy. Intimate with Jesus, that is the greatest weapon. And so you fight against the enemy. You do this from your secret place, on your knees. And so it's like a paradox. You press forward and you fight while resting. We need strength to rest. Like You're like, what? Yes. In God's economy, that's exactly how this works. We need strength so we can rest our souls. And when we are resting in Christ, we have victory over the enemy. And so this is how we continue in this process of pressing forward is a restored soul before God, knowing that you are loved and knowing that you belong to him. So committing to the process of transformation means committing to drawing near to Jesus. And then you'll feel his love and his mercy and his healing power rush into your life. Now, is this instant? No, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. God, God won't do it overnight because it means you have to trust him more, and he wants us to keep trusting him, so he won't do it right away. This is how God is glorified, the daily trusting him, committing to this process. And he'll give us the courage and the strength to press forward to fulfill our calling. So step one is you commit to this, this process of pressing forward. Step two is you ditch distractions. You need to ditch the distractions. Get rid of them. Push them aside. Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward. You hear that? Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Picture here is a runner. He's running a race. He's looking forward. His eyes on the finish line, the goal, the prize, who is Jesus himself. 
fix his eyes on Jesus, and he's pushing away. He is ditching the distractions. Now, many things can distract us from pressing forward, many things. And I'm sure even right now, I trust that God's Spirit is bringing things to your mind that you know are distractions that are preventing you from pressing forward, that are derailing this process of, of sanctification in your life. You, you, you know what they are. In a room of this size, I could not hope to give you all the examples of possible distractions, but I'll just give you two. Two examples of things that can distract us that we need to ditch. The first distraction to ditch is past failure. You have to ditch the distraction of past failure. Paul says it here, forgetting what lies behind and pressing forward to what lies ahead. You see, your past failure is one of the greatest weapons the enemy is going to use against you. He, he will come to you in your weak moments, and he will tell you that you are worthless. He'll tell you you are useless to the kingdom of God. He will tell you that God can't possibly love someone like you. He'll tell you that because of your past failures, God has taken away his calling on your life. Those are lies. Don't you dare believe those lies. God does not revoke his calling. God does not take away his calling on your life. He doesn't take it away. Past failures cannot defeat you nor define you. Those past failures are what God is using to, to further shape you. Just think for a moment. Is your salvation dependent upon your abilities? No. Your salvation has always been and always will be dependent upon God's ability. Jesus who saved you. It's about his mercy. And so just because you failed does not mean that you are now disqualified. It doesn't mean that God can't continue to use you. Those are lies. You forget what lies in the past and you press forward. Think about who wrote this. Paul. He had a great history of failure. He was a murderer. And yet, what happened? God called him, healed him, empowered him, and used him in a mighty way. Past failures are a distraction that you have to ditch. Jesus' death and resurrection means that you now have this high calling. And he cannot and he will not Take it back. It's based upon Christ. And so you see in Romans 8, 1, that now therefore there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So you do not believe the lies of the enemy. God wants you to depend more fully on him, more deeply. Believe that you are forgiven and receive his love and you press forward and you don't look back. You have a calling to fulfill. Go fulfill it. Past failures, you've got to ditch that distraction. Another distraction that I was praying about this, I thought other runners, other believers on the race, because we're pressing forward, straining to the prize. The picture is a race. Hebrews 12 as well, run the race that's set before you. And so 
Sometimes I think what happens is when we're straining forward to what lies ahead, we're running, but then we turn our head and we look to the side. So looking back is a problem. Don't, Don't look back to past failures, but don't look to your sides either. Because what you'll see is other runners, and you'll get distracted by other runners, and you'll think, oh, look at her calling. Well, look at his calling. Man, I wish I had that calling. I wish I had that one. Man, my calling stinks. Really? God called you. He is sovereign. He is good. He is wise. He picked you. He chose you. For the life that you have, he chose you for the kids that you have. Yes, they drive you crazy. Come to my house at like 5 p.m. when the twins wake up from their nap. Man, it's like a tornado. It's just like a race to get the table ready for dinner and get them in bed. And it's, it's awesomely hard. <laughs> but he picked me and Bonnie for these children. He picked you for yours, for your life, for your gifts. Don't compare yourself to other people. Just be you. Run the race set before you, not someone else's race, not someone else's calling, yours. Ditch the distraction of other runners on the race. Let them run their race. You encourage them in their race, but you run yours. You stay in your lane. And don't worry about what's happening in the others. Encourage them. Don't be envious. And don't be distracted from other runners. And so we're seeing here on fulfilling our calling is you have to commit to this process. And you have to ditch the distractions. But number three, as you wrap up, third step towards fulfilling your calling is apply what you know. Apply what you already know. Philippians 3, verses 15 and 16, finishing off this paragraph. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So he says, if you're mature, think this way. And God will reveal it to you. And he says, hold true to what you have attained. So what you're seeing here is a mark of spiritual maturity is that we agree with biblical truth. We agree with what's written in the Word. We don't argue with it. We agree with it. And we're open to the Spirit revealing more truth, illuminating our minds so that we understand the Word better. So having a a teachable attitude and openness to the Spirit revealing more to us. Not just closed, oh, I already know Don't distract me with the details. No, like we need to be open to God revealing more truth from his word to us. So there's always going to be more to learn. We're always going to go deeper and learn more about the wonders of Christ. To go deeper and to know him more. But here's the thing. You can't sit on your hands and think to yourself, well, I don't know enough. I'm too young in my faith. I'm not mature enough. I can't make a difference in the kingdom because I don't know enough. I need more information. I need to grow more before I can start serving. Wrong. Not true. 
Run the race, press forward with what you have already attained, with what you know, with who you are right now. You know enough. Yes, you're going to learn more. Of course, we're all going to keep learning more. But that should not prevent you from serving now, pressing forward now. Let us hold true to what we have already attained. Apply what you already know. Apply it. As you keep learning more, you press forward with what you know, and you apply what you already know now. So God has a high calling on your life. You need to know your calling, and you need to fulfill that high calling, a calling to know Jesus and to make him known. So God is calling you. Will you draw near? Will you hear his voice and will you trust him? You think, but what about my struggles? God is bigger. What about my past failures? Forget them. They're in the past. You move forward. I have a calling to fulfill. You got to forget that past. You have the spirit of God now in you, empowering you, leading you. So I have a calling to fulfill. Do you? I have a calling to fulfill. I have a calling to fulfill. I have one. We have a calling to fulfill in our lives. Do you believe this? Do you believe that God is calling you to truly know him and to make him known? Do you believe this or is this just preacher talk on a Friday morning? Do you truly believe this? Because it's true. So New Life Church, hear me. You are being called by God to press forward. Will you fulfill your calling? Or are you going to allow fear or uncertainty to cause you to shrink back? The gracious hand of our God has been upon this church. I can give you so many examples, but I'll just say this. How many times have you seen on this very stage people that have been here for one year, two years, three years, you name it, and they're leaving to go back to the home country, and it's been a lot here as of late, and you hear the testimonies, don't you? What does everyone say when they're leaving this faith family? I came here, and I've experienced more transformation than I've had before. I came here, and God changed me. I came here, and I've experienced real community for the first time. I came here for the first time I'm actually serving. I mean, all these stories that we hear constantly. I came here, and I came to faith in Christ. I came here, and I really now know Jesus, and I have a passion to make him known. Remember these stories because it's evidence that God's hand is on this church. And he's not going to let go. He's holding on to you. You just reach up for him and keep pressing forward. And I'm praying that all of us individually fulfill our, our callings and that collectively the church as a whole can press forward. And out of the overflow of knowing Jesus, that we will make him known to a city that is quite dark and that is desperate for hope. And we are the ambassadors 
that are called to tell them. Father, we thank you and we praise you together this morning. You have been so gracious to us, saving us, calling us. I pray that we would each be gripped by this high calling and that your spirit would speak to us and that we would hear and that we would fulfill what you are calling us to do for your sake, for your glory, 